Welcome to the Monsieur So British podcast, written and read by me, Ian Moore. I'm a British stand-up comedian, best-selling author, and owner of a B&B here in rural France. This podcast comes out every fortnight, and I am still, tragically, trying to work out what it's actually about. But I suppose it's about life in France, life as a stand-up, life as a family man, as a hotelier, as the cranky owner of a mini farm, and about middle age and how not to do it. I hope you enjoy it. Monsieur So British, episode 8, Running Round in Circles. It starts just before 6am with Gigi barking. She's taken to barking in the same way that Donald Trump uses Twitter, indiscriminate darts of anger through the night like a canine form of Tourette's syndrome. Her barking sets Kipper off barking. He barks like a teenager who's just discovered cheap cider, full of gusto and enthusiasm, and now he's started, he's unlikely to stop until he's made himself sick. It means, though, that one of us has to get up and deal with it. Me, usually. Natalie works during the week, and so any weekend sleep is precious. And as I'm forced to be at home more, I'm supposed to be enjoying these vignettes of domesticity. I get up. First thing to do is open the door to the garden and let Minu in, who's been meowing there since about 5am. Gigi won't even look up at this point. She was just barking at something in a dream, presumably. Minu rushes past Kipper's cage to her food, I close the door to the larder and open Kipper's cage. He goes out the door into the garden, but not before molesting Flame, one of the other cats, who has timed his entry just to be molested. I separate them. Kipper goes out. Flame goes into the larder. Kipper starts barking at something in the garden. This sets Gigi off, though she still won't actually get up. Kipper comes in to be fed and put back in his cage. I open the larder. The two cats run upstairs, and I sit down for a minute. Indiana, the third cat, starts meowing at the door. Gigi starts barking. Kipper starts barking. Flame comes back downstairs because he hasn't eaten enough food to throw up yet. He joins Indiana in the larder and throws up. Indiana goes out, disgusted. Gigi barks at him. Kipper joins in. They all stop for five minutes and then Minu comes back down the stairs and sits by Kipper's cage, sending him loopy. Gigi barks at Flame's vomit and then eats it. It's now... 6.20 in the morning, and the weekend is off to a flyer. Having worked most weekends for the past 20 years, you forget just how tiring they can be at home. Precious, but tiring. And in France especially, there are hidden traps set for the cosy family, just in case you might be enjoying life just a little too much. French bureaucracy does, with some justification, carry with it a dark cloud of foreboding. It's not just the tentacle-like ubiquity or its vice-like governance over every single aspect of life here. It's worse than that. It's that despite centuries of administrative layer added to administrative layer, 250 years of honing the art of pen-pushing interference, it is staggeringly incompetent. Ten times out of ten, woefully inept. And what's worse than that? They know it, that's what. And so, over time, another layer of bureaucracy has been developed just to cover up the Olympian levels of bungling lubberwortery. Only these people know what they're doing. It goes without saying that tax d'habitation and tax foncière, local taxes, will be calculated at local level, but with such a lack of attention to detail and prowess as to produce figures almost as arbitrary as when I choose lottery numbers. But what the clear-up admin merchants do is fiendishly clever. 
all official posts, that is, bills, final demands, forms, etc., are posted on a Friday. The recipients, us poor schmucks, then get them on a Saturday when there is no one to complain or talk to, no one to address your ire towards. It's like a state-sponsored bout of ginger knocking, and you're left to stew for the whole weekend and fret about a bill that is unjustifiably out by a good few thousand euros. Also, the letter will have been sitting in an outtray for a few weeks and will arrive 24 hours before you have to pay up or face a fine. Knowing the labyrinthine process of appeal for these cases, I suspect most people just pay up, life being too short. One such letter arrived on the Saturday morning, the tax foncière. Now I'll admit that it was partly my fault, as I had initially filled in the wrong form, but then they said they'd lost my wrong form, so I filled in the right form wrongly, which they then added to the wrong form that I'd filled in correctly and which they had magically found. Anyway, our bill was out, by our reckoning, uh, at least €1,500. And the surface area they calculated our property by would have made the Palace of Versailles out to be no more than a mere garden shed. But we could do nothing about it. Nothing. Nothing until Monday at the earliest. It was now late morning on the Saturday, and as I still held the bill, shaking with frustration and staring into the rain outside, it was looking like the high point of my weekend at home was going to be cleaning up Flame's cat sick. I am an impetuous, short-tempered and petty individual, and Natalie will tell you, having read various theories on the subject by snake oil salesmen and charlatan medics, that that has contributed directly to me having chronic rheumatoid arthritis. Maybe. But the truth is, I had my first stomach ulcer at the age of 16. So when it comes to storing up recrimination, frustration and impotent rage, I have previous. And so the Saturday was spent going round in a circular argument about how wrong the bill was. We, I mainly, though Natalie can be as dogged as I can on these occasions, simply couldn't let it go. There was nowhere to vent apart from on each other. Nowhere, nowhere to go. It was not then a happy family more that braved the torrential rain on the Sunday to watch Morris and Terence compete in a fun run. I, for one, saw no fun in the thing at all. If there's one thing I miss about England, about living in England, it's a rainy Sunday lunch spent in a pub, a roaring fire crackling in the corner, roast potatoes on the bar. Yet here I was in the admittedly stunning grounds of the Chateau de Valency, getting soaked to the skin and trying in vain to come up with a more outrageous oxymoron than fun run. The boys were competing in different races, but all the kids aged 10 to 15 were lined up on the starting line together. They would both be running two kilometres, and the competition looked strong. Some of these kids had come from serious running clubs and had the gear to prove it. Morris, a gangly youth, lolloped to the starting line in a Chelsea football kit. Terence wore a Barcelona kit and his football boots. Right! said the starter. Here are the rules. I mean rules. In a running race. All of a sudden, my fury, my outrage with despotic, needless, pin-headed, weasel-faced bureaucracy rose to the surface, and I wanted to grab the pen-pushing rodent by the neck and throw him in the moat. When I fire the starting pistol, you start, but... Of course, there's always a but... You must not run past my colleague on the bicycle there. This is for your own safety. Do not, and I want to make this absolutely clear, do not overtake my colleague on the bicycle or you will be disqualified. The kids looked at him like he was nuts. On your marks, 
Get set. Go. The kids set off at a pace. Unfortunately, the man on the bicycle wasn't ready and only 20 metres down the track and he was suddenly gripped with panic. He wasn't even on the bloody bicycle. He jumped on, wobbling terribly and tried to get going, but it was too late. All of a sudden, he was engulfed by 40-odd youths who were terrified to pass him but had nowhere else to go. It was a debacle. A badly organised, over-organised car crash which summed up perfectly well my feelings about stifling red tape intrusion and utter po-faced inadequacy. It actually cheered me up. It was so keystone cops-like, such a perfect allegory of bureaucratic nincompoopery that it almost drowned out my pride when Morris won his age group race by a huge distance and Terence, tearfully pushing himself through the pain, a lesson not lost on me by the way, came a brilliant fifth crying as he crossed the line it hurts too much he wept a mix of pride and agony it turned out to be some weekend and when we got back i cleared up some more cat vomit using the tax bill as a scoop and to think i could be on the road nursing a hangover in a soulless travel lodge somewhere else rather than this Well, I say tunnel, it was a fire grate, and the light was actual fire, but anyone with a real fire will tell you, if the thing is still alight when you get up in the morning, the day has already started with a win. I'm all for a bit of old-fashioned hunter-gatherer, me-man, me-make-fire type stuff, but when it's been pouring down for a week, and blowing a gale, that morning trudge to the wood store for logs and kindling is a heavy tread, I can tell you. I hadn't slept, and the unnecessary alarm had gone off at 6am, meaning it was time to do breakfast for the 10 B&B guests who had filled the place. I trudged into the kitchen, separated Kipper from whatever cat was playing chicken with him this morning, and noticed the embers in the fire. Today would be a good day. Today would have been a good day anyway, though, because after a week away, Natalie and the boys were finally coming home. For someone who spends so much time on my own, I've become remarkably bad at it. I write alone, travel alone, stay in hotels alone, perform stand-up alone, and after the gig go back to my digs alone. I am the very model of insular self-sufficiency. But leave me at home for a week alone, and after a mere few hours I'm a gibbering wreck, a pent-up ball of irritability who eschews regular meals and, after a few days even solids, and is more highly strung than an orchestral harp. The intention is to get by on a level of personal organisation that is so finely tuned, so detailed in its planning, so delicately poised, that the slightest thing, the smallest test of its efficacy, can cause the entire flimsy house of cards to come crashing down. And if there's one guarantee in life, then that one slightest thing will happen the second Natalie and the boys have disappeared over the horizon. The week was going to be sold out in the B&B, full occupancy, which would require a high level of bed linen management, which is not something I ever thought I'd have to deal with. Hey Ian, how are the book sales going? Never mind that, I've cracked bed linen management. The weather was going to be truly awful, which meant nothing could be dried outside, so my old trusty condenser tumble dryer brought with us from the UK 15 years ago would once again come to the fore, only it didn't. It sat there, lifeless, a faint blinking light on the front panel, slowly fading. It had dried its last. 
Over the course of the next few days, I transformed the front room and upstairs landing into what looked like one of those sepia-coloured Victorian Chinese laundries. Linen was draped from ceiling light to ceiling light, drying on the heat from the open fire, and giving the place a Bedouin tent feel, only with me pacing around, occasionally grabbing a duvet corner and muttering, Too damp! It's too damp! It was not the start of the week I'd been hoping for. It also had an effect on the linen itself. I showed a family into their pristine room, and Madame said quietly, Can you smell burning? I ignored the question. We hadn't got off to the best of starts anyway. Small talk isn't my thing, but I've effectively had to write a routine for the meet and greet of customers, and it feels a bit like a hairdresser's, So, going anywhere nice this year? In that I'm filling time. I genuinely have no interest in the answer you give. I'm just trying to appear non-threatening. Well, less threatening anyway. One of my stock lines is, have you come for the zoo? And 90% of the time the answer is a smiling yes. And I can talk about our goats having been born there and so on and so forth. Not this time. So I said, have you come for the zoo? Oh, thank you very much, she said. It was supposed to be a secret for little Benoit here. And how the hell was I supposed to know that? I mean, I hope Benoit has a full and happy life, that he can possibly find a way to get over the trauma of the zoo revelation, especially coming as it did a whole 30 minutes before he went to the actual bloody zoo. I strongly recommend that Booking.com and Expedia and all the other ones like it add a little extra to their booking pages so that hoteliers and B&Bers can be pre-warned, maybe. A special secrets-not-to-be-revealed element on the payment page. As it was, Benoit had cheekily been left off the booking in the first place. Maybe he was the actual surprise. So while Madame was sniffing the air, suspecting charred bedsheets, I was struggling up the stairs with a spare bed and reconfiguring their room, by which point I was willing to tell young Benoit that not only was he going to the zoo, but maybe we should also have a chat about the veracity of the whole Father Christmas thing. And Madame wasn't the only one sniffing the air. Ultim, quite the madam herself, is a horse who wears an expression of permanent suspicion on her long face. For me, anyway. But this time, she was for once vindicated. There was no way I would have enough hay to feed her and the goats for the full week. Now, obviously, I could just order some more, but that wasn't the problem here. The problem was that hay delivery is a minimum two-man job, because Ultim wants to dangerously get involved. There was no way I could, or even be prepared to, wrestle with all team and deal with the gates and deal with a farmer's tractor all at the same time. So I started cutting her hay like some cheap chiselling drug dealer trying to enhance profits and started giving her one part straw for every two parts hay. By day two she was wise to it and literally started kicking out, eyeing me like a wild-eyed addict adding a horsey, This shit ain't clean, man! And for every violent reaction she threw my way, Gigi and Kipper were at the fence barking at her wildly, which may very well have been the canine equivalent of Leave it all team, it ain't worth it, but unsurprisingly did nothing to calm her down. Kipper, though, had found his own calming route. The week for the two of us began on the back foot when his new no-pull harness arrived and I took him down the road for a walk. He pulled, so I pulled back and the harness flipped him over, leaving him looking like a struggling insect, a beetle on its back. One of Natalie's final instructions had been that, if I get the chance, yeah, right, I should take Kipper to dog training. I will, I said, but only if the harness works. Well, the harness doesn't work. 
I'm all for dog training. It's important, especially for Kipper, but I'm not going to be the only one there with an upside-down dog dragging him around the course like he's a sled. But like I say, he'd found his own way of calm. There's a toad that lives on the terrace, and Kipper doesn't know how to deal with it. Barking at it, jumping up and down in its face, generally making a nuisance of himself. Then one night, he licked it. He just licked it. And it clearly is one of those toads that carries hallucinogenic properties. Now, obviously, this is something that should not be encouraged, but a high kipper is a calm kipper, and he's been a delight all week, like a slightly stoned, harmless mate, just lolloping around the place, constantly having the munchies. So it's been an up-and-down week, and on this final day, now that breakfast have been done, rooms turned around, washing and ironing still to do, I have a choice. Tidy and clean the house to the standards that Natalie would expect to find on her return home, or just find that toad and spend the afternoon on the sofa in front of the fire instead. Toad wins, I think. Thanks very much for listening. If you did enjoy it, please share it and go to my website for any details on gigs, on books and on the bed and breakfast and all that. Thanks again. Bye. (laughs) 